You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 37 here, we got uh, Psalms, of course, is, is located in the center of the Bible, and it's sometimes referred to as the Bible within the Bible because it's so big. And as you read the Psalms, you can't help but feel the emotion and the, the heart behind the psalmist as they write. And uh, I, I love reading through the Psalms. I've made a practice to at least read one Psalms a day and uh, a Proverbs a day as well. And it, does, it doesn't matter where in life that, you, that you're at. And it's that uh, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're going out of the storm. And Psalms, I feel like that as you're reading it, it just, no matter how many times you read it, whatever part in part of your, in your life that you're at that's not, that point in time, there's something new every morning. And not just the Psalms, but I appreciate this, this series that we're going through. It's been a blessing. It's been a help to me. Uh, the book of Psalms is truly the, the Psalm book of the Old Testament, and millions of people have found comfort and strength through it. I can't tell you how many times I've heard Psalm 23 quoted uh, to, to comfort somebody. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I thought, why did I pick a Psalm that had 40 verses and not pick one that had five verses like Psalm 23. But don't worry, we're only going to read about 10 of the verses here tonight. But uh, Psalms is divided up into five books, and Psalm 37 falls into the first book, and it's the Songs of Deliverance. And uh, the Psalm of David, is, it's an experience of David, and it's a promise of a future blessing to the remnant of Israel, written in the form of an acrostic. Each verse in the Psalm begins with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. There's 40 verses in Psalm 37, so two verses for each letter, and I'm not going to try to quote to you the Hebrew alphabet, okay, because I'm working on my own ABCs uh, right now. But we've learned that um, when we were little uh, children that uh, our ABCs, we normally learn them with a picture. Uh, you know, A is for apple, B is for baby, C is for cat, and that's as far as I got. But uh, we, we, we learned our alphabet, but back, back in the, this time, they, they would use this psalm to really learn their Hebrew alphabet, and it's been a great blessing to God's people through the years. Let's look at verse number one. You, re, you follow along as I read. Psalm 37, verse one. Of course, it's a, a psalm of David. It says in verse one, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10, for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this time that we can gather as a church family, Lord. And I don't, I don't know how the world does it without, without you without a church family, without a church to, uh, to go to and be encouraged and be around God's people, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for those that have made it back tonight. Lord, I pray you bless them. Lord, I pray you use me now. Fill me with your power and your spirit, Lord. I pray that, you'd be, that this would be an encouragement to at least one person tonight. We ask these things in your name. Amen. 
Look at verse 1 with me again, if you will. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. David, seeing the evildoers prosper, uh, bothered David a great deal. He was wondering, why do the godless seem to prosper? You see, in the Old Testament, God promised believers earthly and material prosperity. This is not the promise today for us, because our hope is in heaven, not on the things of this earth. But the hope of Israel was upon the earth, so it was very hard for them to understand why the, the fields of the ungodly were flourishing and prospering, but the, the, the righteous man down the road was struggling, having a tough time. That was hard for them to understand. In verse 2, David came to the realization, just as Asaph did in Psalm 73, that the wicked would be cut down just like the grass. We could look around us today, we could find some evildoers, and to us it seems like they're living the good life. It seems like they got, everything's just going great, they got the new car, they got the, you look at it, and it seems like everything's just going wonderful for them. And uh, as, as many as we could say as testimony, we've been there maybe before we were saved, and uh, they're, they're looking for something, they're missing something. Yeah. That's not true happiness, but it, it, to us it seems like we could get frustrated by looking around and, and seeing that the ungodly is prospering. I remember uh, just several years ago that uh, a very good uh, person close to me passed away, and I was talking with someone, and, and I said, you know, I, I, I don't understand why all this is happening. Why is this person over here that's not living for God still, you know, still, still, still going with this person that was diligently serving the Lord was taken so suddenly? And then I remember just how merciful God is, and he's given that maybe that other person another chance, and he's taken that other believer home because they've run their race, their race well. But, God, but don't... Don't, don't get so focused on, and just, Pastor was, I, was, I leaned over to Brother Nathan as, as we were t- uh, sitting there on the platform and said, Pastor needs to stop talking because he's starting to preach my message. And uh, I was talking about, you know, being encouraged, and we got so much to be thankful for, and we're going to talk about that tonight. But the evildoers, uh, I think about just in the Mer- America's history, about those that uh, we read about that did such evil, and uh, it seemed like they were getting away with it, and they almost won the battle, or they almost won the war. Let me ask you, where's that person tonight? If they didn't put their trust in, 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 in the Savior, they're in hell tonight. And so I'm just going to say that don't, don't fret. That's what David's saying. Don't fret about the evildoers. They're going to soon be cut down like the grass. Look at verse 3. Here's some things that we can, we can do uh, if this starts to disturb us. We start to focus on verse 3. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Now, this was a promise made for God's earthly people. He's saying, don't worry about the wicked. You trust in me and you do good, and I'm going to take care of you. Not only trust in the Lord and do good, but next in verse 4, look at it. It says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Again, this was a promise to Israel, but it applies to us today. I'm not sure how the Lord will exactly bless you, earthly or materially speaking, but I do know that he blesses you with spiritual blessings that more than we can contain. And uh, you just, if it was just salvation, that's all that we got. We are so undeserving of that. That's more than we can handle. I'm so thankful for God's goodness in my life. And he will deal with the wicked, and we don't need to fret ourselves over that matter. When I go to the place of uh, the Holy Land, Chick-fil-A, all right? And uh, I, I, I guess there's something that's going around. I have not seen the document yet about how we are not supposed to mention food, but I'm probably doing a double sin tonight because I mentioned Chick-fil-A and you can't get that on Sunday, but uh, when I love their cookies and cream milkshakes, I don't care if I'm, if I'm sick, I'm going to get one because it's going to help me get better, and uh, I get the large every single time, and I don't want them just to fill it halfway up. I don't want them just to fill it three quarters of the way up. I want them to fill it to the brim. 
I want them to get that lid that comes over the top and fill it all the way up in that lid. And I just, I've been to some milkshake places, even in California, I don't, I don't remember their names, but they would make the milkshake, they'd bring you the cup, and then they'd bring you an extra cup because it couldn't fit in the cup. You say, Caleb, why wouldn't they just get a bigger cup? Because it would ruin this illustration that we're trying to make. <laughs> that I, God's been so good to us, amen? He gives us so much more than we can handle that we could possibly even dream of above all that we ask or even think. He wants to bless me more than I can contain as I delight myself also in the Lord. You know, I, th- I start to think about and I, I start to question, I try to think about my motives and why I do things. I got to think about, and sometimes some frustrating, some non-spiritual things. Why am I doing this? I got to think about, okay, what, what's the purpose I'm doing this? And uh, let me just share with you tonight that there's been some time in my life where I said, why do I go to church? Why, why do I read my Bible? Well, I, I, I want God's blessing in my life. I got to search what, what he wants me to do, and I want to follow what he has for me in my life. And I'll tell you this, I don't only just want God's blessing in my life, I want God's blessing in my family's life. I got to make sure that I'm walking with him, I'm talking with him, and I'm spending my, and I'm asking him to help me in this, in this walk of life. This, the, the, the word delight in this verse, it also means to, to, to be moldable. Delight thyself also, Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thy heart. And as we remain moldable and every day strive to be more like our perfect example, Jesus Christ, our desires will be what he desires for us. We sing the song that I am, or he's the potter and I'm the clay, and we're just supposed to be moldable. And as, as we're letting him mold us and shape us, and say, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand all that's going on, but he's shaping us. And we can delight ourselves and be moldable in him. And then as he molds us and we see the purpose and the big picture that we get to see little by little, we can start to say that our desires will be more like his. And that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, not only are we to trust in the Lord and do good, uh, delight ourselves also in the Lord. But next, verse number five, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Commit thy way unto the Lord. You know, many Christians decide to accept that free gift of salvation but then when things start to get tough, things start to not go the way that you'd plan. And uh, you get frustrated, you get a critical spirit, and you start to ask God why. Why are these things happening? And um, I, I love to uh, make things, I like to work on a project, but when things don't go the way they're supposed to, I don't, I don't like doing projects anymore. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I remember when we first moved into um, our house, I had to replace the ceiling fan. And uh, I got, I, for some reason, I got that first one down, so I got some confidence. Yeah. I said, I got to do another one. And uh, the fan was, was wobbling. It was starting to come out of the ceiling. So I said, let's replace that one, too. That'd be a good idea. And so I looked at it, I re- and I said, oh, I'm going to try to save some money, and I'm going to try to put this fan back in the ceiling, and let's just try to, like, secure it some more. Well, I called Brother Nathan. I said, bro, you got to get over here and help me. Something's not happening right here. I, and uh, maybe you've done this before. I'm looking at Brother Mark. I'm sure he probably knows what, what I probably did. But anyways, I, I wired it up correctly, but I didn't, I didn't realize that when you have a fan that has that extension rod, there's a little groove that you've got to land it in. So I went to turn the fan on, the lights started spinning. And uh, so, so I went out and I bought a new fan with instructions, put that fan up, and as I got to that step that said, make sure you put the groove in, I looked at that other fan that didn't cost me any money, and I said, this one's already up here. I'm not going to go back and I'm just going to eat that cost. But uh, I don't like it when things start to not to go the way that I thought they should go. But then I had to go and I got to look at the instructions and say, well, what am I missing here? And it was so simple. Once I saw that step, it was like, oh, that was just one simple thing that I missed. 
we need to commit our way. And, and, you know, I think about just when we get a critical spirit, those that are watching us, when things start to get frustrating and those that are not saved or maybe not as strong as a Christian are watching you, you start to get a critical spirit. And uh, I'll just say that when I, um, when I graduated college, my, my family, my mom and dad, they told me, they said, you know, Caleb, if we would have left church every time that we were offended, we probably would have left church 12 or 15 times. But I never knew that. They never talked about it. We never had the pastor for lunch. And uh, I married the pastor's daughter, so it was a good thing that we weren't uh, making fun of the pastor. But uh, I say all that to say is that sometimes someone's going to do something that frustrates you. You're going to get upset. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. This commitment, I, I was looking up commitment, and I Googled what commitment is, and I came across this, this quote. It's a good quote, but I don't really like it applied to the Christian life. I'm going to share it with you, and then we'll talk about it. It said that commitment's not measured by how strongly you feel about something, but it's measured by what you're willing to give up. We're going to talk about this. Now, Brother Nathan and I, we grew up together, and we were on the basketball team, and I think it was our sophomore, maybe our junior year, but uh, our youth pastor was our coach, uh, Joel Coburnett. I don't know if you ever heard that name before, but he challenged us. He said, hey, I don't want you, I don't want you to eat junk food. I don't want you to eat, drink, drink soda. Are we awake? Amen. I don't want you to drink soda, and I want you to start running. So I said, okay, well, I'll cut out most of the soda, and I'll cut out most of the junk food. Well, one day I asked Brother Nathan, I, said, hey, and I called him up, and I said, hey, Brother Nathan, because I called him Brother Nathan back then, too. Yeah. And I said, hey, why don't you, why don't you come over, let's, let's play some basketball. And our coach was at their parents' house, which was two miles away from, from where we lived. I said, and we'll run over there so he'll see that we ran two miles there, and we'll turn around and run back so he sees that we're running four miles. And so we went there, we ran, and we realized that our, our coach, our youth pastor, was inside eating some pizza and drinking some soda. And, uh, but we wrote a note on his car, and it said, not on our watch, because we were committed to this thing. We're going we're gonna to do this. Now, listen, a piece of paper. We didn't write on his car, okay, a piece of paper. And we put it on his car. It's not on our watch. Brother Nathan, I, th I think we could say that I don't think we ever ran again after that, because that four miles, we were like, what are we thinking? Uh, that was, but commitment. We weren't that committed, I guess. But, uh, you know, I remember when I worked uh, at, at Walmart about a year ago for a little bit, and uh, they found out, oh boy, they found out I was a Christian. And uh, all of a sudden it was like, oh, you got to be careful. I I'm sorry for what I've said and what I've talked about around you and all that. And then I had a coworker that said, so you can't cuss, you can't smoke. You can't drink. They started naming off all these things. And I said, no, I could do all those things. What? Can I come to your church? He almost said. <laughs> and I said, listen, I can do all those things, but I don't want to do those things. Yeah. I said, because when I'm committed to the Lord, I didn't tell him this part, okay, because they don't understand this. But when I'm talking about this commitment. It said, measure by what you're willing to give up. Listen, when I committed my way to the Lord, I didn't give anything up. We didn't give anything up. We got so much more. You know, when I, when I stood at an altar and I married my wife, I didn't look at all these ladies that I could not have, okay? It was, no, I had the one, and I could care less about anything else. That's the same thing with our Lord and Savior. It's not all these things that we give up. It's just one that I'm just committed to, and I'm going to love him. I'm going to live for him. It's not about what you're willing to give up, because the truth of the matter is we didn't give anything up. Anything that we do have is already his. So when you commit yourself to the Lord and not give anything up, you're gaining everything. It says also, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, God gives us some times in our life that we don't understand, but God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. He'll work things out in your life, and you know, the heathen's concept, it's a terrible thing, but many Christians have adapted that concept. 
They view God as just a villain who's just waiting for you to double-cross him. He's going to drop the hammer on you. That's not at all what the Lord, the Lord is doing. He wants us to li- live for him. He wants us to, to love him. But when we, when we slip up, I'm so glad that he's so merciful. And I'm so glad that he gives many chances, not only second chances. But not only are we to trust in the Lord and do good, not only are we to delight ourselves also in the Lord and commit our way into the Lord and trust also in him. Look at verse 7. Verse number 7. It says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I like that word rest. This word rest is just talking about not just being still, but spending some quality time. Rest in him. And uh, patience is something that I'm not very good at. And uh, the Lord knew, and then in Connecticut, I, I delivered some food for a while. On the street that we lived on, we were, felt like we were out in the country because we lived on church property, but just about a half a mile we can get into the city. And I kid you not, when I was delivering food, I had to go down East Main Street is what it was called, and there was about 18 stoplights. And you better believe I got every single red light. And, uh, and if, by the way, in Connecticut, if you, don't, if you don't start to go before it turns green, they honk at you. And uh, just the other day, so, uh, the, the light turned green. I was like third in line, and so I'm not going to honk. And finally, about 10 seconds later, after it was green, someone honked back there, and I almost wanted to get out and clap for him. I said, thank you, because I wasn't going to be the first one to clap, because I didn't want to be rude. But here's another thing we're supposed to do. Wait, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. When the w- wicked prosper, don't fret. When the ungodly bring their wicked devices to pass, don't let it get you all upset. Now, please don't, don't miss me. Please track me on this thought. I'm not saying that sin should not bother us. I'm not saying that the wicked should not bother us. But, don't, but consider the end. Consider the end where these, where these people are going. Let me ask you the question, how do you expect unsafe people to act? And then they look at you, and, and you're participating maybe in the conversation, or you laughed at that joke at work. They know you're a Christian. There's no difference. They're not going to want what you have. Let me ask you this. Are you resting in the Lord and you waiting patiently for him? That's something hard to do. There's a story about a pastor who was building a, a wooden trellis to support a climbing vine. As he pounded away, he saw that a little boy was watching him. That boy didn't say a single word, so the pastor just kept on working, thinking that he would just leave, but he didn't. Finally, the pastor asked, Well, son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on gardening or building? No, he replied. I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher's going to say when he hits his thumb with the hammer. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, it's so true. It's, uh, I remember working in a secular field when things got frustrating. You know what? I'll just say this. It was a lot easier to be a Christian, actually, in a place like that because everybody's watching you. I have a lot of unsaved family, and uh, people, they'll probably never listen to, uh, to, to the gospel from me, and I pray that someone in their town will be faithful to go knock on their door because they've heard it too much from us to the point they've turned us off. But I know that if I was to throw in the towel and I was to quit or I was to, uh, to just give up on this thing, they'd say, yep, that's the reason why that I didn't do any of that. We need to, we need to rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Verse number eight, it says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Verse nine, for evildoers shall be cut off. For those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place and it shall not be. Cease from anger. Don't lose your temper. And if you do evil, don't think for one second that you could get by with it as a child of God. If you're a child of God, you'll find yourself in some deep trouble if you think you can get away with it. Don't start to look around you and think how you can get away or how, and be wicked and still be blessed. Consider the end, the Bible says, of the evildoers. And that was all introduction. You ready? Here's the message. One, two, three, four, and I'm done. Please, here we go. Number one, I see in Psalm 37, 3 through 7, don't fear. 
don't fear. I heard the statement made one time that God said in his word over 365 times to not fear. And I thought that was a great statement to say, man, well, there's one for each day, don't fear. Sadly, I looked it up and it was not true. Uh, but I looked it up and over 500 times the Bible talks about fear. Again, it's a different context. But about a little over 100 times the Lord says to not fear, don't be afraid. The point that I'm trying to make is, I don't, I don't know if anybody else is like this that's, that's raised kids or raising kids, but I feel like I just got to repeat myself to my daughter a lot. And uh, I'll say, don't do that. Don't do this. Please do that. Don't bite your brother. That's not good. And uh, I'll say it over and over and over again. And uh, she's not getting it, but I, I say it over again because it's very important. I think the Lord knew there'd be some times in our life that we'd fear, even though he told us many, many times to not fear. And can I just say, you're in a, you're in a good boat tonight, though. I believe all, all of us have some fears, different fears in our life, but I want to remind you tonight, don't fear. Don't fear. Several years ago, a submarine was being tested and had to remain submerged for many hours. When it returned to the harbor, the, the, the captain was asked, how did that terrible storm affect you guys last night? The officer looked at him in surprise and ex exclaimed, what storm? We didn't even know there was one. The submarine had been so far beneath the surface that it reached the area known to the sailors as the cushion of the sea. Although the ocean was whipped into huge waves by high winds, the waters below never stirred. This is a perfect picture of the peace that can only come from Jesus Christ as we rest the Lord and wait patiently in Him. The ways of worry, the ways of fear, the ways of doubt, the ways of heartache cannot touch those that are resting in Jesus Christ. Sheltered by His grace and encouraged by His Spirit, this is the only perfect peace that Christ can provide. Don't fear. Anchor yourself in the Lord. Number two, I see in verse, uh, we didn't read them, but verse 23 and 24, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse 24, Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I see number two, not only number one, do not fear. Number two, don't forsake. Don't forsake. It says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You know, we know what we're supposed to do. We have the Word of God. We know what we're supposed to do. And it says, don't, don't forsake. Don't, don't forsake the steps of a good man. Well, then I know what He wants me to do in my life. And if I trust in Him and I lean not into my own understandings and all my ways acknowledge Him, He shall direct my paths. If I love the Lord thy God with all my heart, soul, and mind, everything will fall into place. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and He delighteth in His way. And as I delight myself also in the Lord, as we delight ourselves in the Lord, He shall give you the desires of thy heart as we remain, as we um, stay to be moldable, delight ourselves in the Lord. Psalm 910, it says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1.10, Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we have trust that he will yet deliver us. And of course, Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave thee nor forsake Amen. thee. Let's not forsake what we're supposed to do. Let's not forsake the Lord, for He's not ever forsaken us. Not only should we uh, don't fear, don't forsake. Number three, we see in verse 25, it says, I have been young and now am old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Verse 26, He is ever merciful and lendeth, and His seed is blessed. Number three, don't forget. Don't forget the mercy that God's given to you. Don't forget how He's provided for you when you had no idea how, where the funds were going to come from, when you had no idea how the situation was going to work out, don't forget how God has been good in your life. You've heard the song, uh, I've been blessed. I think about when he moves among us, all that he does, 
all of His mercy and all of His love, if the pen of a writer could write every day, even this world could never contain how I've been blessed. No matter what you're going through, you can find something where God has blessed you, even during the toughest of times that we don't understand. And uh, it's amazing. Maybe we not understand everything that happens in our life, but I believe the Lord gives us small glimpses of things that we have to go through in our life. And uh, I've shared this before with, uh, with many that sometimes I'll sit down and I'll write down some things that are kind of discouraging me right now. And I'll write those things down. Then I'll write down the blessings in my life. And I think about how a lot of times out of that storm that I was coming, going through and some things I didn't understand, this blessing over here happened. And uh, maybe our burdens might sometimes outweigh our blessings, but they'll never outnumber our blessings. Don't fear. Don't forget. Don't forsake. Lastly, and I'm done. Number four. Look at verse number 34. It says, Wait on the Lord and keep His way, and He shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Look at the last verse, verse 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in Him. Number four, don't faint. Don't faint. In the summer of 1968, the Olympic Games were in full swing in Mexico City. As usual, the crowds from around the world gathered to support their country's elite athletes. Those athletes trained for years to compete, each with the hope of stepping onto the podium to graciously receive their medal in honor of their country. There was a runner from Tanzania, John Stephen Aquari. Has anybody ever heard that name, John Stephen Aquari? Good. All right. And uh, as I'm, I'm sure as all athletes do, John prepared for months, if not years, to comp- compete at this Olympic level. He was coached, he practiced, he ran, and then he ran some more. He ran more than Brother Nathan and I. For all intents and purposes, he checked all of the boxes to ensure that he was ready for the Olympics and even more prepared to take his place on that podium to proudly represent his country. It wouldn't be easy, however. John was stacked up against 56 other marathon runners, each time with the same, each, each runner with the same mindset to win. But there was an unforeseen obstacle in John's way. The altitude of Tanzania is vastly different than of Mexico City, something John wouldn't have had the means to prepare for the, before the games. While competing in the marathon, John began to cramp up due to the high altitude. During a struggle for position amongst his fellow uh, competitors, John was hit and he fell to the ground severely injuring and dislocating his knee and taking a harsh blow to his shoulder. With 23 kilometers left in the marathon, John had a decision to make. In agony, would he surrender to defeat or would he finish what he came to start? A voice from within urged him to carry on. Picking himself up, John stumbled along, continuing the marathon as if his life depended upon it. After the sun had already set and after the medal ceremony and after most of the crowds had already gone home, John finally crossed that finish line. In fact, a camera crew was sent out to document the final phase of John Stephen Aquari's race after receiving word that there was still a runner out there and it was about to finish the race. As expected, John came in dead last with the finished time trailing by the, uh, of the winner over an hour after the winner had already crossed the line. John lost, but he also won. You see, rather than providing every excuse in, in, the, in the book and blaming uh, what, what the, the happenings of happening in that race and being injured, John made the history books for another reason. When he was asked by the reporters why he continued despite trainers and doctors urging him not to keep running, and he told them just to wrap my knee up and let me keep going, they said, you're going to cause more damage. They asked, why did you do that? John replied, my country did not send me 10,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 10,000 miles to finish the race. 
When he returned home, he was hailed a hero, and to this day, children in Tanzania still learn about him in history books. You say, hey, he didn't win. He didn't come in first. He finished an hour after first place. He finished way after the, the medal ceremony. He finished after everybody had gone home. But see, maybe he didn't finish, or maybe he didn't win, but he did finish. See, God's caught us all to a race, and we have different races to run. We all have different obstacles. We all have different injuries. We all have different ailments that we're going through. And maybe nobody would blame you why you quit. But the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You see, you're not going to experience the fulfilling your purpose of your race if you quit. You're not going to be able to encourage others if you quit. You're not going to be able to be that example to someone that's watching you if you quit. During my junior year of college, I submitted a, a question uh, anonymously to a, a preacher, and it was just question time, and so I asked the question, I said, what do you do when you get weary and well-doing? What do you do when your Bible reading just gets stale? And I'll just be honest with you, Bible college, uh, it's, uh, it's been said that it's a very easy place to back, backslide, and because you hear preaching all the time, and you gotta, you got to realize that you got to get it for yourself, not just what the preacher's preaching. But I remember I was looking for an answer where he says, I go to this particular place in Scripture, I, or I call up a friend and I encourage them, and that encourages me. I was looking for something kind of like, kind of like that. And I was a little disappointed by his answer, but it stuck with me to this day, and it's been such a tremendous blessing to me. I said, what do you do when you get weary and well-doing? He just started going, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He said that, and I, and I was like, man, that's, that really wasn't what I was looking for. But you know what? That's helped me so much. And I, I started to get weary and well-doing. I started to figure, why, why is this going? I'm going to trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen. Don't fear. Don't forsake. Don't forget. Don't fate. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.